All right. Good morning, and welcome. Uh, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, Big Book Study. My name is Craig F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is uh, Thursday, July the second, 2020, and uh, we're uh, reading from the Big Book, and we're at page XIII, um, the second paragraph. Uh, and we're going to read six paragraphs today. Um, today's date, oh, um, today's uh, today's readers. I'm sorry. Today's readers are uh, Barbara P, uh, Hoodie R, uh, Nancy P, and uh, the for the steps. Nancy will cover for that. And we have uh, the traditions is. Uh, Marie D. Um, Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, oh, the reference was for, um, so disorganized today. The references for uh, 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 yesterday, the share ID for for the 7 a.m. meeting was 14902, and the 10 a.m. meeting was 14903. Uh, today's uh, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine, and we take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to try to carry this message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, the OA fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can, can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Linda D. to read, well, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm going to ask Nancy P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, everybody. This is Nancy P., recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. That's, sorry, that's not me, um, whoever's doing that background noise. 
Um, 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. All right. Thank you. How our meeting works. Uh, Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Any, anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our, our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read and we're we're sharing uh, what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XIII, on the second paragraph, um, and we're going to read six paragraphs. Your position, Craig. Um, please, please don't interrupt. It'll all come clear. Um, uh, all right. So um, uh, anyway, today, so we're starting on page XII, and. Uh, uh, I'm going to ask uh, Barbara P. to begin the reading and share. Barbara? Barbara P., you're not unmuted. Yeah, so sorry. I had to call back in. Hi, this is Barbara P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in the Atlanta area. It's important that we remain anonymous because we are too few at present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals which may result from this publication. Being mostly uh, business or professional folk, we we could not well carry on our occupations in such an event. We would like it understood that our alcoholic work is an avocation. When writing or speaking publicly about alcoholism, we urge each of our fellowship to omit his personal name, designating himself instead as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Very earnestly, we ask the press also to observe this request, for otherwise we shall be greatly handicapped. We're not an organization in the conventional sense of the word. There are no dues or fees whatsoever. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. We're not allied with any particular faith, sect, or denomination, nor do we oppose anyone. We simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. She'll be interested to hear from those who are getting results from this book, particularly from those who have commenced work with other alcoholics. We should like to be helpful to such cases. Inquiry by scientific, medical, and religious societies will be welcomed. 
Alcoholics Anonymous. So there's a lot in these. I, I love that they anticipated a lot of the things that might come up to challenge us. You know, so the, par the wording, we are not an organization in the conventional sense of the word, I mean, I think even, you know, here they were doing this for a couple of years as they started to write this book, and they had already probably run into, I'm guessing they ran into some of these problems, something about money, something about, you know, who could be in the group and who couldn't be, in, you know, in the group, allying with any kind of faiths, denominations, which probably people who wanted to, didn't want to. So I'm guessing these are some things they ran into early on. Because, you know, we're not, I just think of it, we are not a, an organization in the conventional sense. Here we are, this volunteer group of, you know, I think of myself pretty, like people who didn't necessarily get along well in the world with other people. Now we come together and try and function as a group. So, no, we're pretty unconventional, but we do really have this common goal. We simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. And I think that's so meaningful because that truly has to be my personal motivation and then my motivation as I go into a group. I have to be thinking about how can I be helpful. So for me to make take strong opinions in a group conscience, I can, you know, I can say my piece and then I can back down and trust that group conscience. It would not be helpful for me to stir up the unity in a group or in my family, in my work, in the other places where I where I am. The other word that stuck out to me and that I just really have been kind of chewing on is, no pun intended, is we would like it understood that our alcoholic work is an avocation. And I looked that up and really there's quite a, distinguish, um, a distinguishing thing between vocation and avocation. Vocation is what I do to earn money typically. This is at least by definition. But the avocation is done for pleasure. And there was one that even talked about it being like a hobby. And I, I just was reflecting that when I came into OA, I mean, I sort of did the process because I was desperate and dying. And I had no choice. So, well, I guess I had a choice. I could be desperate and dying or I could try and trust this process, this 12-step process. And... um so I did the work, quote-unquote work, because I had to. And then I realized today it really is a pleasure doing the pieces that I do around program. It's so integrated into the rest of my life that it doesn't feel at all like work. It's what I get to do. But it's also about balance, and I'm learning that in this program. I don't do it well, but I'm learning. So I still have work, I still have my family, I still have friends outside of program, and then program is just integrated and one of the most satisfying parts of my life. It is like a hobby. I do it a lot, and, but really because I like it. But I don't do it for a living. And um, anyway, so I think there's a lot in here. These are the early rules, but they keep this unruly group functioning, really well functioning. Thanks. With that, I pass. Okay. Thanks, Barbara. All right. Um now we're going to take uh, pitches from members, um, and uh, we're going to ask you that if you've shared in the last uh, couple of days, that's today's Thursday, so if you've shared on Wednesday or Tuesday, to please um, re respect the fact that there are other people on that uh, would uh, like to share and give them a chance to 
come forward. Um, so, uh, um, uh, who would like to share on the paragraph Lisa that was B? just read? Lisa B. I'm sorry, who? Lisa, Lisa B. B. Right. RCSE. Uh, who is that one? It sounded like RTSV. Larry Cake. Okay, Larry. Nessa R. All right. Shelly C R. All right. Give another one or two. Craig, did you get Finita L? No. Karen G. Is that Vanita L? Karen G. Yes, Craig. I got you, Vanita. Karen. Vanita L. All right. Okay. And I got I got you, Karen. Anybody else? Somebody doing dishes? Um, okay, let's go ahead and go. Lisa with an E. You're up. Lisa B. I'm here. Thank you so much, Craig, right. for your service and for doing this work. Thanks for everyone that's here. My name is Lisa B, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I'm really happy that we went through all six paragraphs, but there's there's so much there. I love the word honest, and um, it's a it's an honest desire to stop drinking. And honest means free of deceit and untruthfulness, a sincere desire. Um, and it's about self-honesty, not so much, you know, of course, honesty with other people is always encouraged, but it's really that self-honesty because it's a, it, this is a program where I, I need to diagnose myself. And that self-honesty is just um, really important. But the, the biggest thing that I wanted to jump on is where it says, we shall be interested to hear from those who are getting results from this book, particularly from those who have commenced to work with other alcoholics. And you know, when I begin to commence to work with other alcoholics, that's where I really am seeing the program working. That's where I, <clears throat> that's where I'm putting into action everything that I have been learning and trying to absorb through this work. Um, I, I can't, I don't even know how to put it into words, but working with others is how I find that I'm just, that I'm recovered, how I really see that I'm recovered. That's how my character defects truly get highlighted and and I can do the steps in working with others, you know, to ha- ask from a higher power to be removed. But if I do all this work, I, I, I can't help but use the example that another fellow on this uh, meeting uses, and that's going to nursing school and studying to be a nurse. But I really don't get to be a nurse until I'm in the hospital or the doctor's office and working with patients, you know. That's how I see that I'm truly a nurse, and that's what's happened with me. In fact, that's how I realized that I was truly recovered, by working with 
newcomers. And I started working with newcomers even when I was like on step two, you know, making outreach calls, letting them know that I'm not yet recovered, but this is what I am doing now to get recovered, learning to be of service. And it wasn't comfortable, but it was suggested that I do it. And I wanted to follow the suggestions. The other thing I like where it says, um, you know, we only want to be useful to be useful. We we simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. So, I mean, I can see they're afflicted, but they need to see for themselves that they are afflicted. And if they don't want to do this work, all they need to do is say, I don't want to do it. And I'm happy to just move on to someone that wants to do this work, but I can still be a friend and be available there for them. They don't have to do it. You know, I don't want to drag someone along. They have to want to do this. So thank you for being there, everybody. And I'm grateful to be a part of this group. I pass. Okay. Um, thank you, Lisa. And next, there's a, there was a, a, a name that uh, I didn't get, to, uh, didn't fully understand. I think it was RTSB was what I heard. Uh, is there somebody with that? Uh, no, my name is... Thank you. No, my name is Marcy S. E recovered oh. compulsive eater okay. for New Jersey. All right, go ahead, Marcy. Thank you. Thank everybody for your service and for the meeting. Sorry about my thick New Jersey allergic smoker's voice. Uh, the, the first, I think it was in the first paragraph that we read about the volume of mail of inquiries they received. It was so amazing back in the, I think it was in 1939 when they, when they published the first edition of the book. So many, so many thousands and thousands of letters came into to the office in New York, and they, and they, they answered every every inquiry, every letter personally, by hand. I believe Bill, Bill or his secretary signed each letter too, or, or, or he tried to make Bill tried to make a personal response to each letter. I believe in many. I believe in one of the history books. I think one of the history books of AA. It says that they tried to send a copy of the big book to each to each member, to each person who inquired too, or if they requested. It was so amazing because that was back before they had email or or so much technology as we have now. They were only starting to to develop computers back then, and they didn't have the they didn't have all these instant messages and cell phones and all, all, all that jazz and stuff. So it's just amazing how how much how much service and work and dedication they put into it, you know. And I try to do as much as I can service-wise, and sometimes I overdo it. But, you know, I do call newcomers and returning members, and I do service above the group level at my local intergroup and the virtual intergroup as much as I'm able to, as much as my computer will allow me to do, because it blocks things. Oh, and that reminds me, if somebody can call me after the meeting, I don't know when we give phone numbers, but I tried to log on to a vision for you.info last night, and the security system blocked me. I wanted to get phone numbers. Thank you for letting me share. Pass. Okay, thank you, Marcy. Um, next, we have Larry K. Larry, good morning. Good morning, Craig. Thank you so much for your service, Larry K. Uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. 
you know, when I got, I, I, I'm reminded as we're reading this morning, when, when I got to the, the, the rooms of OA um, quite a number of years ago now, I was, I was more than 100 pounds heavier uh, than I am today. And uh, my life was, was a complete uh, mess. Although, although I looked pretty darn good on paper and I had, had people fooled. Mostly myself, was, I was fooling myself. And I didn't particularly understand what I was up against here. And uh, then, then, of course, um, you know, I, I languished, struggled along in a way. And, and some, you know, there were people that cracked open the big book and brought it to life for me over time. And um, here we read, it says, the only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. And I had a desire, all right. Kind of the way, you know, one, you know, if you remember back in school, you, you might have a desire to earn an A in class, but I, I certainly wasn't willing to do the work to, to earn that A, right? I didn't, I, I just had a pixie dust desire for lots of things, hoping they would come my way. You know, you can come, what I learned is, I learned this personally, um, by, by way of personal experience. You can come to a meeting every single day. You can sit on the bench. You can watch others uh, take action. You, you hear wisdom based on their experience or their action. You, no one will ever force you to put on a jersey and get in the actual game. And I, I, I get the, it, just an absolute privilege of speaking to lots of people in our beautiful fellowship, and, and perhaps you do as well. And, and I hear a lot of people that, that struggled with what I, or are struggling with what I did, which was they, they want, they have a tremendous desire for this recovery. It is so damn attractive, isn't it? They're just not willing to put the food down entirely. And, if, and when they're willing to do that in the midst of their uncomfortability, they're not willing to honestly work the steps, certainly as they were intended by our founders. That's why we read and study this stuff. It doesn't make them bad people. I wasn't a bad person. I was just a sick person trying to get well, and I didn't know what I was up against, and I didn't understand what it would take. And certainly it starts with putting the food down entirely. And I think that's perhaps a, a bigger issue in this fellowship, in my observation, than people willing to work the steps. Uh, people that are willing to work the steps, um, there, there are lots of people that are willing to do that. They just, they're still eating though. They still have their hand in the cookie jar. At least that's my observation. That was my personal experience. The honest desire starts with putting the food down entirely. None of the traditions and the steps will matter until we begin to do that. We have to put our jersey on. With that, I pass. Thanks, Craig. Okay, thank you, Larry. Uh, next, we have Nessa R. Nessa? Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R., a recovery compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I'm going to jump on uh, Larry's bandwagon. Um, and I, I want to say a number of things about this. Um, you know, the only requirement for membership is the only desire to stop eating compulsively. And that is truly um, only a requirement for membership, but it is not the only requirement for recovery. Um, you know, I too came in with the desire to stop eating compulsively, uh, but it wasn't an honest desire, which brings me to, which brings me to uh, the second point I wanted to make, 
that the word honest was dropped in the actual um, uh, reading of the, of the tradition. It just says the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. And to me, there's a, there's a big difference. You know, when I came in, I had the desire to stop the consequences of eating compulsively. You know, I didn't want to be fat anymore. I didn't want to wear ugly clothes anymore. You know, I didn't want to get winded going up a flight of stairs anymore, but I still wanted to continue eating my cheesecake. You know, and guess what? When I came in, um, I didn't recover for, um, for nine years in the rooms of OA. Even though I was doing, I guess, a modicum of work, people told me, you know, uh, speak to three, people's a day, three persons a day. So I was calling 30 people hoping to actually say, hello, how are you, how's the weather, to, to three of them. Um, I was told to go to 30 meetings in 30 days, and I did that. And I was told to write in a journal every day, and I did that. And I was told to read a page of, of any program literature, whatever it was, um, every day. Um, and I did that, and I was told, you know, to make outreach calls and to, you know, come to meetings. I, I did everything to have an action plan, to have a food plan. And, and I did all that, and guess what? I didn't recover. Um, I don't think I even lost any weight, to tell you the truth, because I was um, mostly not abstinent. I was abstinent on and off, except now I realize I was never truly abstinent because I never really 100% abstained from the foods, ingredients, and behaviors that trigger me. Um, you know, and like we read yesterday, you know, to show precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. The goal of the program is recovery. It is not just mere abstinence. I guess the, the, the tools, uh, although they didn't keep me abstinent, the tools might keep a person abstinent for a little while, but it is not sustainable. The only thing that is sustainable for, an, for, a, for a, a compulsive overeater like me is the working of the steps according to this big book in entire abstinence. And as long as I continue doing that day in and day out, day after day, then, you know, I'm going to be recovered and I'm going to stay recovered. Um, a mere desire um, was not sufficient for me. Um, it kept me in the rooms, which is, um, you know, a beautiful thing, but it wasn't enough for me. I really had to do the work. People who want to recover, um, need to do this work. Um, there's just no other way about it. Uh, there's no easier, softer way, at least not for me. If there was, I wouldn't be here. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. All right. Next, we have uh, uh, Shelley from California. Shelley? Good morning. This is Shelley CR, um, re Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern Minnesota. Um, so Sorry. first of all, thank you. That's all right. <laughs> it's nice and warm in California. I'd rather be there sometimes. Um, so thank you so much for your service, Craig, um, and for everyone that's helping put this meeting together. I, you know, coming to the start of this book once again um, through these meetings is so beneficial, and and it's the constant reminder. I love how we read not a whole lot and then get a whole lot out of it. Um, the things that stood out for me today, first and foremost, is the fact that this is an ego-smashing program. Um, and this is laid out right here when it talks about, you know, when writing or speaking publicly about alcoholism, we urge each of our fellowship to omit his personal name. And so it takes away that part about it's about me. 
prior to coming into program, life needed to be the way that I wanted it. Um, I had the right answer for everything. I could tell you how to live your life, even though, you know, who knows what about mine. Um, but I thought I had it all together. And the reality was completely the opposite. Um, and so it was through, you know, working the steps, working through the big book, studying the big book, working with my sponsor, uh, doing all these things that were passed down to me from my sponsor, which were passed down from their sponsor, um, it, you know, the, this is the thing that I've learned, and it took me a long time to realize about the ego aspect. And, you know, I thought I was a confident person, but I didn't see myself as egotistical. And that is definitely a huge defect of character. I have a big head. Um, and so this program helps keep me in check. And the more that I can work on smashing my ego, the more connection I actually have to my higher power and being able to turn it over. And I need to make conscious decisions and be very intentional about doing that. And so I have my, you know, what I've put together as far as my routine and prayers and meditation, how do I keep in contact and how do I promote spiritual growth for myself? How do I continue to grow spiritually? And so those are the things that I'm focusing on now as a recovered person and um and so i'm just so grateful for that reminder because i always need that reminder it's so easy for me to slip back into self-will the other piece that pops out is we simply wish to be helpful for those to those who are afflicted you know initially um again it was all about me and so as i've grown within this program you know using for example the sick person's prayer being able to recognize, um, you know, how do, how do I live with compassion towards others? How do I open myself to be helpful to others? Um, and the people that are afflicted, we, you know, initially for me it was, okay, so people within the program um, or who suffer from compulsive overeating. But the reality is that people are afflicted with, a lack of spiritual connection with that spiritual malady um, across the board, you know, where none of us are perfect people. And the more that I can just be open to that, and not as a negative, but just in the sense of like what reality is, you know, then I can also have more compassion and empathy and be kinder and um, and be more helpful to others and just have a bigger perspective outside of myself. So I'm very grateful to be here, and thank you, everyone, for your service, and thank you so much for your shares. I gained so much, and with that, I will pass. Okay. Thank you very much. Next up, we have Vanita L. Vanita? Hi, Vanita L. here, recovered compulsive overeater in Georgia. You know, I was thinking here about being recovered, and in the past, I used to share a lot to share my great wisdom with people, and um, now I actually share a lot just to belong and to participate. Um, you know, the first thing that struck me about this reading was, and I underlined it, is um it is important that we remain anonymous because we are too few at present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals and which will result from this publication. So I thought it was amazing. It's like he trusted it would 
it was going to be a success or he knew somehow that it was, you know, really going to get out there, which is kind of amazing, you know, to me in and of itself. And then um, the reason they were anonymous here, and I know the concept of anonymity is really huge and um, it has a lot of deeper layers to it, which, and I just bought the book, The Best of Bill, and the one of the main reasons about it is I want to read the essay on why AA is anonymous. But the other thing that struck me about the book was that word avocation, which I sort of thought I knew what it meant. So I was glad Barbara, you know, actually took the time and looked up the definition of it. And I'm like just so, in, I've been in 12-step programs a long time, but it's really been since I've been with Vision, which is not even a year um, that I've learned so much and my understanding of the steps has deepened and it's made me more confident as a sponsor and I'm sponsoring the most people I've ever sponsored in my life and I just love it and it's a, it's a big commitment but I love it and it's um, the, probably one of the most powerful things I do for my own to stay recovered. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, next we have Karen C., and then we're going to take some new names. Karen? Thank you, and <clears throat> thank you for your service. Thanks, everyone. Um, this is Karen G. I'm compulsive overeater and exercise bulimic in New Jersey. Um, I'd just like to say, gosh, there's so much in this in this reading here, and um, the first time I'm kind of going back again through the big book um, now from a recovered perspective. And it's really, really just calling to me in so many ways. But I, I'd like to start by saying that um, the, the honest desire um, is an important phrase. I just want to ditto what Nessa and Larry were saying about, you know, the difference between having the desire and actually being willing to do the work um, to get to the recovery, because I really experienced that myself firsthand um, without a lot of experience in uh, with 12-step programs joining late last year. Um, I found my sponsor, and the first thing I, I said to her after I was trying to understand what it takes to work the steps was, well, I just don't have the time. You know, I, I work, I'm full-time work, I have three um, you know, teenage uh, boys, and I get up at five o'clock in the morning, and I'm going till 10 o'clock at night, and I don't, uh, I, I don't have any time because that's all, you know, I take all my energy in my day. And, and all she was saying was, look, we, we, we talk two days a week, we're going to read, you're going to do a few little daily things, like the journaling, some other folks mentioned. But you have to be willing to, to work. And you've probably heard people say this, like, like my hair's on fire. And it has to be the number one priority for you if you really want to recover. And, um, you know, I, I just was so, you know, I thought I, I had this honest desire, but I was so unwilling for probably the first two months. I was unwilling to put down all of the food. And, and how did I know that I, I thought I was being honest? But I really wasn't because I didn't really know what it meant to be honest with myself um, until I really figured out that honest with myself meant I had to actually listen to all of the fighting and arguing going on in my head. It was all within my own head. It wasn't my sponsor. It was I'm arguing with myself about why, you know, 
why I can't do what's being suggested and just very contrary. Um, but but she, thank God, by the grace of God, she stuck with me and we started reading this book. And when I got to the part about we would like it understood that our alcoholic work is an avocation, and I was also, she had me circling words and looking them up, and understanding that this work is not to take the place of my job, my family, um, and that it is actually um, something that is supplement. I, I got a little bit of hope out of that saying, okay, these people are business and professional folk just like me. Um, and, you know, and they're, they're finding a way to, to work it in. So I, you know, I, every time I had a fight within my head, I'd, I'd stop and I'd, I'd try to talk myself into then how could I make this work? And slowly but surely, I became more and more willing as I worked the program. Um, so, you know, now in recovery, I, I can't imagine not having the program and working it and working with other people because it really is such a blessing to keeping my recovery and to living happy, joyous, and free. Because before the program, I was living every day restless, irritable, and discontented and really didn't know there was another way. So thank God for this program and thank, thank God for everyone on this line for teaching me so much. Um, I'll pass. Okay, thank you. All right, now we're going to take uh, some new names. Um, who else would like to share on this paragraph? Madam. Madam. Matt. Got you, Matt. Melissa P. Melissa P. Shannon May. All right, I I didn't get anybody out of that. Shanna C. Santa. Meg, okay, I got you. Who was that? Something C. Shanna C. Will you spell that? Yes, sir. S H A N N A. All right, Shanna C. Got you. Right. Michelle M. Michelle. Uh, I'm sorry. What are we up to? What are we reading? Yes, thank you. We're on page uh, X I I I, the second paragraph that starts. It is important. We're doing six paragraphs, and through religious societies will be welcomed. Okay, we have five, and I think that's going to, if everybody takes the required amount of time, we'll probably, that'll be good. So, Matt, why don't you get us started? Thank you for your service. Craig, good morning, everyone. This is Matt. I'm going to over here from New Jersey. Yes, um, this program is definitely my lifeline. I'm just coming out of a relapse, and I definitely I just see that needs to be worked. I've got some days under my belt. I had a little bit of a slip last night, but... uh. I've been working with a close friend, and I'm trying to find a sponsor now. And uh, I wasn't working on how to get my food under my belt, the food are, on, under control. And I never really have it under control. I have to get that word out of, out of my vocabulary. I just have it down one day, another time, one day at a time with God's help and your help, because I can't do this myself. It's a one-day-at-a-time program with the support of the fellowship and with God's help and support. Um, you know, I've been relieved of 11 pounds, and I'm trying to do this one day at a time. This is a one-day-at-a-time program. And sometimes I have to do one meal at a time, you know, one minute at a time because I'm struggling. 
you know, with the quarantine and everything. And I'm taking it, like I said, one day at a time. Difficult, you know, because I'm stubborn and I'm egotistical. I have all these character defects that are coming up constantly telling me I'm not good enough. I can't do this. You've done it so many years. You know, you what's, what's the point? You know, you're never going to get this. All the, the voices in my head telling me all that stuff, all that crap. And I have to take it, like I said, I have to let, let those voices go to the wayside and still push forward through it, all that junk. And I'm grateful that I, I'm not listening to those voices today. I'm, I'm pushing forward and surrendering to this process because I'm definitely grateful that I'm here. And I'm listening to the meeting again, and I'm back on track. You know, I only have today, and I'm grateful. I'm glad I'm here. I'm very, I'm glad I have um, the resiliency to do it. I'm not alone. I have a support network, and I'm calling these people. I'm keeping them in my life. And I'm grateful that I didn't give up on myself because it's so easy. It would be very easy to just give up and say, screw it, you know, bat down the hatches and shut the lights off and shut the phone off and just, like, you know, cringe in the corner and just cower and just say, say I give up and just give up. And I'm not. I'm not going to give up myself. I want to live. I don't want to die. I don't want to give up. I'm turning this year, and I don't want to give up myself. And I'm grateful that I'm here today and grateful you're all here today. With that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, Matt, thank you for your share. Next, we have Melissa P. Melissa? Hey, hey, good morning, Craig. Thank you so much for your service this morning. Good morning, fellows. This is Melissa P. from Buffalo, recovered today. Thank you, God. Um, You know, the thing that stands out to me is we simply wish to be helpful, right? Like, when I first got into the steps and into this book, I was excited and overwhelmed all at the same time that this, this set of directions um, and this work that needed to be done, this is how I was going to save my life. And that's the selfishness in me that I was, I was thinking about me. How am I going to lose 150 pounds? How am I going to be a better mom or a wife or whatever and show up so my life could be, could be easier? Um, You know, because my life would run smoother if I wasn't this like maniac running through and, you know, breaking everything in my life. Um, you know, and, and what's changed, what's what's beautiful to me is that the recovered voice talks a little bit louder in my head these days. Um, and in situations, it's it's so beautiful that I just get to meditate on how do I get to show up today? How do I get to show up as love today? How do I get to open the door to a fellow and and help them? That's it. I don't need to solve the world's problems. I don't need to solve my family's problems, right? I just have to be helpful. That's it. And, and the thought at first of, of sponsoring, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm one day at a time, right? But that's just it. All I have to do is be helpful to other people. Um, you know, and, and sometimes being helpful is just sending a, a text message or, or picking up the phone where it might not be super convenient, but I might be someone's lifeline, like God talks to us through our fellows, and maybe that's the voice that they need to hear at that moment is through me. Um, you know, and it, it for me, it it is, it has been such an ego reduction that it's not about me being the, the skinny girl in the room or the popular girl in the room or, you know, whatever the case may be or being liked. It's about being helpful. At the end of the day, did I show up and do God's work in a way to, you know, in return for my recovery and all the beautiful things that have been added to my life, you know? 
that's it. That's all. That's all that's asked of me is to show up for others the way that God shows up for me. Um, and that's that's a that's a payment that I can make good on. Just for today, I just need to show up for other people and try and be helpful. And that's all I have. Thank you so much. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. All right. Um, I I got distracted, lost my place here for a minute, but uh, was that Shauna C? Yes, this is Shanna. Uh, thank you. Um, gratefully recovered by the grace of God and the help of the fellowship and the steps. Oh, my God. Oh, the thing that keeps jumping out at me is the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking. And in my case, um, looking back, I, I did have the, I had, I had a desire, like many have said, to, to, to stop the consequences of my eating. But it, that honest desire did come after repeated stumbling. Um, uh, it was the... I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that day. And I and like someone else on the line had said, fighting in my head for so many years and had, had gone through the steps out of the out of the big book, had gone through and, and was making the calls and had and had made some amends and had put the food down, but my head was still going crazy. Um, because for me, I still had a lurking notion that I wasn't one of you guys. Uh, that somehow someday I would be able to control and enjoy my food, um, that I really didn't belong here, um, that this really wasn't a thing, um, that this wasn't real. And like had Larry, Larry had said, I did not know what I was up against. <clears throat> and until I got to that point where I truly conceded, and this wasn't of my own power, pain and desperation, is what caused me to truly concede that I am a compulsive eater um, and that I had absolutely no power whatsoever to change myself, to put the food down of my own innate will. Like there were periods of time where I could and then, um, then I couldn't. And those experiences beat me into a state of reasonableness where by the time in uh, uh, September of last year, I somehow mustered up enough willingness. I was out of ideas completely, got on the phone um, and listened to a special edition. And my soon-to-be sponsor was was sharing. And I knew I had to have this thing. And I gave her a call, and she helped me. She was there. And and by God's grace, I've been abstinent ever since. First time ever. It's a miracle for my life. Um, so I say all that to say for me that um, that until I conceded to my innermost self that I was a compulsive eater and had no power, no power came for me to stay abstinent. So somewhere, if I'm fighting anything, anyone, it's because I believe somewhere in my head that I have some sort of power somewhere. I am powerless, and that's the truth. And that, for me, has uh, restored me to sanity and has given me the ability and the willingness to to, to do these steps and to have that spiritual experience required to have that obsession removed and, and be given the opportunity to help others. And I'm grateful for you guys, grateful for this opportunity to to recover and get better. And hopefully my experience can help someone else. Thanks for letting me share. Okay. Thank you very much, Shauna. Next we have Meg. Meg? 
Give us your last initial. Hi, it's it's Meg B. I am here in okay. beautiful Rhode Island. Um, thank you for hearing me this morning. I really had loved this reading. Um, before our reading, it had said about um, the advantages of the program. We are sure our way of living has advantages for all. And I remember for me, when I started out, which wasn't that many 24 hours ago, I did finally say, all right, you know, even if I can't manage to get this eating thing under control, maybe it just gets down to a dull roar. Boy, this these 12 steps, it really is going to help me. It's going to be an advantage in my life either way. And that has just been a side benefit to me. That's been wonderful. I like the point they make about our occupations and that they don't matter. That really helped me identify in that it doesn't matter what your occupation is. Everyone is related by this common problem. And then about being humbled and that we would be handicapped if we identify ourselves. And that I found to be true for myself as well. When I start looking at people's life circumstances more than their struggle with the food, I don't really get the message. So when I share in meetings and that, I try really to focus on the experience with the food because it does um, dilute the message. I love that it says an honest desire to stop. Honest. Who did I really need to be honest with? Myself. I told myself so many things that just were not true in my endless, endless attempts to control. And then it says we want to be helpful, helpful to other people, not directing them, not telling them what to do, not controlling them. I love to control. It makes me feel superior. But I'm really just offering my own experience and being helpful. And finally, I like how the measure of getting results is working with others. We want to hear from people who are successful with this program, but our measure of success is working with others. Um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, next, we have Michelle M. Michelle? Hello, my name is Michelle M. I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado, and recovering for the past 56 days. What jumped out at me from the reading is I have an honest desire to stop. And the next word that jumped out was work. Because when I think about putting down the food, it terrifies me. But when I realized I, had, I was desperate, I had to do something. So I listened to a podcast that was suggested to me, and it talked, and then it clicked. Not everybody's trigger foods are the same, is what I heard from that podcast. So it was obvious the things that I had to stop, the last things I binged on, and the things that always caused me trouble. I put those things down and continued to follow the instructions. And then I added other things that for me were problems because I was craving after I ate them. It's been a slow uncovering of what it is, 
But what I found, too, after these days of working and doing what I was told is that I enjoy my food that I still eat. I have not stopped eating anything but rocks and pebbles. I have a lovely meal, and I move on with the rest of my day. And I'm so grateful to this program that has pointed me in a way to be able to do that. So thank you. Keep good heart out there. You can put down the food and still enjoy your life and still enjoy the food that you do eat, but it's in the proper place. With that, I pass, and thank you all for being of service today. Thank you, Michelle. Okay, we have uh, about three minutes. Uh, Who else would like to share? One, maybe two. Katie G. Katie? Anybody else in case? Go ahead, Katie, and take your time. Hey, Craig. Thanks for your service. Great to hear everyone. And uh, Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, bulimic. Yeah, I mean, ditto, ditto on so much what what has been said about entire abstinence and the willingness. And um, especially I thought it was pretty profound what people said about you know, there's no point for me to do the steps if I'm not entirely abstinent. I have a lot of people that talk to me about they don't want to feel deprived. They don't want to, you know, gypped of their food. I have to tell you that that to me is still a diet mentality. For me, um, putting down my alcoholic foods, ingredients, and behaviors um, was a privilege. It's like putting down drugs, right? There's no, there's no deprivation when I put down drugs. Um, you know, I don't, I don't need a sufficient substitute that isn't God, right? God is my sufficient substitute. And, um, and food is in a place of neutrality. And I don't worry, right, at the end of the day, oh, did I miss out on that? Am I missing out on that food? Because food doesn't matter, right? That's what, that's what the freedom is. That was, that's what it means to be recovered today. And I just want to throw out there a little different alternative for uh, anonymity. I love you guys. I love each and every one of you. And I love the people who've walked before me. And you know who you are because you've changed my life. But I don't come on the line and I don't get on the phone and say the, this person message and as so-and-so says. And if you do and that works for you, that's great. But I want us all to consider the health of our fellowship. Anything that I say, it's not the KDG message. Please, God, let it not be the KDG message. And that's what true humility means, right? It means carrying the message that I've had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And nothing that I say on here is original. And so for me, if I start attributing messages to specific people in our fellowship, then this fellowship becomes defined by personalities. And I get sick because I think that a human power is going to move into my body and fix me and heal me. And we can't afford that. We can, I can't afford that for myself because no human power, right? A, I'm a food addict. I'm a compulsive overeater. I cannot manage my own life. B, that no human power. And that C, God can and will if he is sought. And there are amazingly powerful people in this program. But please, God, let us not attribute a message that was given to Bill by God, right, and is carried by all of us so profoundly. We are all trudging for these 24 hours, contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. None of us are immune, right? So let's trudge together. Let's be a fellowship. And for me, keep my ego out of this. This isn't about being popular in Overeaters Anonymous. This is about life and death and carrying the message that I do not suffer from compulsive overeating today, contingent on the maintenance. What am I going to do today? And with that, I pass.
Okay, thank you. Thank you to everybody that shared today. Um, uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for the meeting that's just concluding is 14909, 14,909. Um, and that's for today, which is July 2nd and 2020. Um, we're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, will, uh, I think Nancy P. is doing a, the reading for us. Uh, um, Read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Yep, here I am. Uh, Nancy P. again um, from Western Massachusetts recovered today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 